Thanks again for joining us today on Coffee, Cows, and Crops. I'm your host, Shelby Dillman, and I have to apologize. <laughs> Things have been so crazy and so busy over here. Like, the past, these last two weeks have been just absolutely nuts, and it's just been absolutely fun. There's just a lot of things happening. Uh, we've been attending a lot of really great workshops, and so it just makes my job so exciting and just so much fun. Big or small, we welcome them all. This episode, I'm doing a shout out to welcoming the newcomers venturing out into the world of agriculture by means of smaller operations such as hobby farms. You don't have to have a ranch with hundreds of cattle or an enormous grain farm to take part in becoming a member of the Peace Country Beef and Forage Association. We strive to include producers of all sizes, specialties, and backgrounds to broaden our diversity and support your appreciation of agriculture. We really can't do it without you. Recently, there's been a large influx of families moving from town or cities onto acreages and appreciating country life. Homesteading and hobby farming is a terrific gateway to becoming a producer. There are so many avenues and opportunities and you really don't need a large plot of land to enjoy them or be successful. If you're considering starting up your own operation but have no idea where to begin, don't worry, I'll talk you through some of the different highlights to inspire you. Homesteading and hobby farming is a great family-friendly way of life or can be an extra activity which can be tackled solo. They're often built from the ground up and are in a sense fully customizable for your own unique endeavors and goals. They offer a great learning experience for growth, both physically, mentally, metaphorically. They could be whatever you want them to be. What you nurture and create can become great products for others to enjoy. It's so exciting seeing new booths at farmers markets and I love hearing their stories. I'll stand there and I'll visit with someone and it's just really exciting to share that joy and accomplishment with someone who's proud to share their story and harvest and products that they put a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and love into. So in our area, up here in the Peace Country, farm and ranch, those two terms are often used interchangeably and in some regions they're very specific. So up here, the most popular operation would be usually mixed farming and they could be farms of any size. They tend to be uh, an operation with great crop and livestock diversity. The other day I was at an event and it was really cool to hear this girl and her dad discuss discussing while she was filling out her membership form. And she's saying, hmm, are we a farm? Are we a ranch? So that was really cool to see other producers kind of think that through and like, okay, like, where are we on the spectrum? And that was really fun to see. And they've got a great mixed operation and they're wonderful folks. On the other hand, some farms are only made up of crops that span vast distances, creating beautiful checkerboard patterns across the land, decorating the horizons with grain bins. Those are grain farms. Um, so also farming for forage is super important because other producers may rely on what you have to offer so they could sustain their animals and sustain their way of life. So you'd be helping them make a living too. 
Hay has been really scarce these past few years, so hay and feed producers have been a critical role in agriculture, and they always will be. Um, in southern Alberta, there are some hay farms that export hay across to like Japan and China and overseas. Um, so that's really neat. And they're like huge. Some of them are like pretty big plants and they make compressed bales. I know I used to get back in the day when I was high school rodeoing, we'd go up to St. Isidore to the hay plant up there and get compressed hay because those little tiny square bales, they had the same amount as a full square bale, but they're squished into these tiny cute little packages <laughs> and they are just way easier to handle and to stack and to stack and load up in my trailer, especially when I was going to the States. So that was, that was really cool. There are also a lot of custom farming companies across the province too that have their important place in farming practices. So that could be anything from custom swathing, baling, combining, silaging, or even grazing. So there's a lot of different opportunities and different things that you can take part of. If you don't want to run animals, you could run equipment if you're kind of more interested in that. So there's definitely something for everyone when it comes to agriculture. So ranches, on the other hand, they tend to be exclusively to livestock, generally cattle, numbers in the hundreds or even thousands of head with several sections of land to raise pears and to graze on. In Southern Alberta, there's some really fascinating generational true blue cowboying ranches that have been operating since the 1800s, such as those tucked away in the Porcupine Hills, West of Clare's home, and the Cypress Hills area that's just south of Medicine Hat, Alberta. I've spent a good chunk of my time as a working cowboy or buckarooing. Yes, that's the actual term. <laughs> and I still get really excited when I'm offered what we call day jobs or to go help out outfits that may be shorthanded here and there. So what we do as a working cowboy, I take my saddle horses out. And if we have really long days, sometimes we'd have a couple horses, depending on what we're doing. So a lot of my job was to take my horse out and go out and ride on the pasture range to perform routine health checks. Um, we might have to check fence, repair water bowls, or I guess out in the community pasture, we had those big water um, troughs that were made out of uh, dump truck tires, mining truck tires, they're really cool. So we'd go, we'd pick out sick cattle and we'd pasture rope them out in the wide open. <laughs> that was probably my most favorite part. I've been roping since I was six, so I just absolutely love it. I get so excited. So we'll go out there and we'll rope cattle of all sizes, um, usually lots of calves in the summer, in order to treat them or administer medicine, say cows with pneumonia, or we'll rope a cow and we'll tip her foot if she's got foot rot and we usually carry medicine and small veterinary tools in our saddlebags in order to help them out when we're way far away from the headquarters, the main ranch, or where there's no access to chutes or facilities like that. Sometimes I'll take out colts for exposure and just mile out our own horses on our own string or for clients. So that was a lot of fun. That was probably one of my most favorite things to do. 
Hobby farming and homesteading really thrives in our peace region and it only requires a few acres or if you want, you could even expand it to a few quarters of land. And we've got a really great soil type up here, so they do really well. They can be anything you want them to be, a diverse mix of crops and species of livestock or homemade products derived or harvested from the land that you homestead or farm on. They are very self-sufficient little operations and they play an important role in the ever-growing popularity of farm-to-table products. And I can't emphasize this enough. You don't have to be big to be important. Embrace your unique farm and feel proud of what you have to offer to the public and other producers. So it was really cool down south. They had these things called farm to table markets. And I love going to the one in Nanton. There is a little market, a little building. It was a market and the other side there was a little cafe. It was the buzz and the hive. And outside they had a little produce stand for vegetables. Inside you'd come grab an amazing bite to eat or you could go on the other side and do some shopping. They had all kinds of handmade items ranging from leather work or soaps. Um, what else did they have? They had lots of food, like literally anything, like anything you could think up. It was so cool. And that really, that little shop really stood out to me because they would just bring the whole community together and people would go out of their way to stop in and see what's new or go there and have a bite to eat or have lunch meetings there. I used to spend lots of time there. It was really great. So on that note, areas of interest could be poultry, ducks or turkeys, even exotic birds. I've got some friends up in Camrose and they are huge into exotics and they do well and they do... Um, Sometimes they'll do petting zoos and they used to go to Innisfail when there was the odd and unusual sale and Kyle was always scooping up like really cool little critters <laughs> and it's just so fun. Um, you could raise guardian dogs, meat or pet rabbits. I've got some friends out by Grimshaw that do that. Hogs are becoming really popular. A lot of heritage breeds have been popping up so that's super cool to see. Meat and or dairy goats or sheep. Uh, hair sheep, fiber sheep, there's horticulture, garden produce, baking, soaps, basket weaving, textile, so much more. <laughs> the sky's the limit. There is a growing market for these types of things and so many different areas of interest and workshops that you can take part in or teach, which leads me to another exciting thing that I love. 4-H um, clubs, they always appreciate support and this is another amazing way to get involved in ag. They have a wide variety of activities and programs for kids who are member, members. They start at 9 and they go up to 21. And there's even the little guys, which we call cleavers, who can take part in some of these projects. And I believe they start at 7 years old. I was in the 4-H Horse Club of Fairview. So the Fairview 4-H Light Horse Club when I was 9. And then I think I was about 15 when I transitioned into my uh, high school rodeo career. I love the 4-H atmosphere. The organization teaches very important life skills which do not go unnoticed in things like resumes. So public speaking, um, there's a little bit of how to run a club. So you vote in uh, secretary, presidents, treasurers, all that kind of stuff. And there's fundraising opportunities. It's amazing. There's just so many cool things. And with 4-H, you can do animal projects, you could do uh, photography, 
dog. They had Dog 4-H. I know Fairview had a dog club for a long time. Um, Market Lambs. I believe there's Foods. There's Small Engines. Small Engines was a big one. There's so many things. So yeah, that's a lot of fun. And that's great for your kids too. Especially if you're just starting to get into egg. That I highly suggest that program. I was a riding coach in Southern Alberta and had 20, no, wait, 30 terrific clients. And I coached two 4-H horse clubs, one in Crossfield and one in Didsbury. Did that for a couple of years and it was just so fun to be involved in 4-H again. I, I honestly missed it. And I hope to gain some traction up here in Northwestern Alberta. So with your hobby farm, you can totally cater to 4-H members who are looking for projects. I've got a friend in Didsbury who got back into sheep and she breeds specifically to sell to 4-H kids. So that was really neat and a good plan maybe for your little operation as well. So whether they're animals or hands-on small engine projects, welding projects, there's so many different things you can do. If you have a passion for something different, contact your local 4-H club and offer to become a leader or a mentor or instructor. I'm not going to lie, there are some tough parts <laughs> when it comes to, say, 4-H livestock products. So when you're raising these little critters, so if you have a beef steer or, so yeah, let's say a steer project, and you're out there, you should be out there every day, feeding him twice a day, brushing on him, getting his hair worked, getting him to lead nice, tie nice, get them halter broke really well. And you spend so much of this of your time with these animals and you get so invested in it. And then being kids, kids just love animals and they're so good for the soul. And the tough part is come sale day, even myself, <laughs> I will tear up <laughs> if I'm sitting in at a sale day and I'll be seeing these kids crying on the end of the halter and their parents are trying to console them and parents are crying but that's the thing like with 4-H it's such a safe space to learn like this is just what happens this is a part of life this is a part of farming and agriculture and it's okay it's okay so you've got a lot of great people around you the 4-H community is so strong and we just we understand and I think if you're getting into agriculture with kids, if you're if you're new to the farm life, I highly suggest. I can't say, oh, there's just so many good things to say about 4-H. So, yeah. And here at the PCBFA, I'm trying to brainstorm some plans to get 4-H involved with us a little bit more. So, if you have any ideas, I'd love to hear them. If your club wants to get involved, give me a shout. I'd love to coordinate something. So yeah, um, our team over here, we would love to learn more about your unique operation and collaborate with you. So please feel free to reach out and be featured in our newsletter, events or podcast, and be sure to become a member today. So thanks again for joining us on this episode and listening to my spiel and my love for 4-H. <laughs> and if you've got any questions about 4-H, I'd love to answer it. Um, so my goal for next episode is to maybe learn some predation tips. Um, we're going to be hearing about from local fish and wildlife officer, Sergeant Dan Downey. And we'd also love to hear your feedback and maybe any suggestions you have for future podcasts. So yeah, we'll catch you later and see you soon on Coffee, Cows and Crops. <laughs>